Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Jen, um, thanks for, for your time today. Um, so I'm not going to do any any talking. I'm just kind of just kind of here to help set the the intro. So you know, you offered time today to walk through a recent presentation you've given. So at this point, I will hand it off to you to to run with. Thank you so much, Jen. Uh, so yeah, this is the presentation that I gave at the Marketing Analytics Summit in Vegas in June. Um, and I haven't had a chance yet to record it. Lots of folks asked if it would be recorded. I do have a lot of um, blog posts about it, but here's a chance to finally uh, go through the whole thing at once. So I'll go ahead and dive in. I am a implementation consultant. Technically, I am a principal analytics architect, uh, which means I'm an implementation consultant. Uh, my primary job is getting the right data into my client's first-party analytics tools, like Adobe Analytics or Google Analytics, which means I spend a lot of time with data layers and tag management systems, which means I've deployed a lot of third-party tags, a lot of third-party tags over the last 15 years. Um, and over those years, I've learned some things that we can do to help prevent MarTech tracking from becoming a big problem on our site, on your site. So it is becoming harder and harder to do, perhaps. The, the landscape is ever growing. Uh, this is an annual MarTech map um, that's released that shows all of the different vendors and third um, and technologies and tools in the marketing technology landscape. And it used to be a very small little graph that you could make out each of the different logos. And you know, then it was 500, then it was 1,000. We're now up to 9,932 MarTech vendors. That's a, a 6,521% growth since 2011. Uh, so it's a lot to keep track of and uh, ever increasing chance to get a little bit lost and bogged down by it. Before we go on, a uh, few things of note. One, yes, some of the, I am an implementation person and some of the content in here is more aimed towards folks who spend their time in the tag management tools. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing in here for folks who aren't implementators. Um, everybody should care about the impact that MarTech can have on their site and on their users' experience. And everybody should care about how they are handling their users' data. Um, this is important to everyone, whether it's the analyst, the agency, the vendor, the people who talk to the agencies and vendors, or the folks who actually hit publish and send those tags into production. Uh, when I do get technical and, and reference tech management systems, I'm going to be talking mostly about launch and GTM because those are the tools that I use. But these concepts would apply to Telium or Insighton or any other tag management system. There's a lot of details in here and could probably break this out into a lot of different presentations, um, some demonstrations I would have loved to give. But for the sake of time and not being too overwhelming, we moved a lot of that to the blog. Uh, so. If I go too fast or you want more information on anything, um, 
please hop over to my blog at digitaldatatactics.com. There's a lot more information on there. But if there's anything that I want folks to take away from this presentation, it's do something now. Don't wait until you have the resources to do a full 100% audit and cleanup. Don't wait until you're replatforming your site. Don't wait until something breaks horribly and you have to react to it. There are small things we can start doing now. Um, I think a lot of folks wait until the perfect opportunity and that stops them from making any of the small steps that, that we could be making now. So what am I talking about when I talk about uh, problems caused by marketing technology tracking? Um, so when I'm talking about your marketing technology ecosystem, I'm talking about a bunch of different factors. Uh, things like the number of tags on your site. You know, I've had a client that literally had like 2,000 marketing pixels on their site. Just the nature of their business. They had a lot of um, agencies and partners that they worked with, and they handled it really well. They had a programmatic way to keep things clean, a good naming structure, and all of that. So it is possible, but that's still a lot of weight at bare minimum. Um, but most folks, the more tags that you get, the harder it is to keep the ecosystem healthy. The age of the tags on your site matters as well. Uh, not just that we want the newest versions of things because they play best with modern browsers and might be most compliant with modern regulations and less buggy, but also just because old tags tend to not be being used by anybody. You know, I come across tags from 2018 and nobody knows who originally asked for that tag. So we don't know who to ask permission of to delete it. So we leave it there and just keep piling more and more on top. And that can really build over time and become problematic. The complexity of your TMS also matters a whole lot. So this is the number of rules you have, whether or not you have a good naming uh, standard, um, the amount of duplicated logic that you have, all of that really matters. Uh, tag management tools are generally really good at only running code when that code is needed. But the one part that it has to run through on every page is the list of rules and conditions it needs to be watching out for. So even if you're uh, not firing the same logic on every page, merely having a bunch of different rules can bog things down. But it also makes it really hard for the implementer to scale and maintain and keep that ship afloat, which brings us to the, the next two bits, which are documentation and resource turnover. Everybody has their own way of deploying tags. And uh, a lot of tags have a lot of nuances and maybe a lot of sites have a lot of exceptions and weird cases and load orders that have to be honored and things like that. And if all of that information's in one employee's head and that employee leaves, you're gonna have a big mess on your hands. Uh, recently, I had a client deploy a G tag, which is a fairly simple thing, but when they were deploying it, they noticed a small error in existing G tags and they fixed that and completely broke a different set of G tags that they didn't know existed and didn't know were connected. So that type of stuff happens and documentation and simplicity can really help with that. Uh, the problem is a lot of these things build on themselves that if you don't have documentation, then you don't have a place to put new documentation and to build upon as you go along. So you just keep not having documentation. If I sign into a tag management tool to deploy a new tag on purchase confirmation and I see eight different triggers for purchase confirmation, I'm not going to know the difference between all of those and which one to trust. And I might just make a ninth trigger for purchase confirmation and it just gets worse and worse. And we've seen a lot of good technical employees leave companies because they feel like they've been asked to maintain a sinking ship 
um, or they feel like they're spending all of their time deploying tagging that nobody is getting value out of, which is very demoralizing. So all of these things build and are very important and do impact a lot of things about your site, like the security and fragility and JavaScript errors and things like that on your site. For instance, a lot of tags allow other tags to piggyback on them. So a good example of this is uh, anyone who had a Bing tag on their site last November, so 2021 November, um, may or may not have noticed a completely new script loading alongside it for clarity.js. Um, with a little bit of research, uh, we, we learned that that's Microsoft's um, kind of heat map visualization tool that they rolled out an automatic integration for anybody with Bing pixels. The reason we realized this happened is because it broke my client's website, it caused the JavaScript error, it didn't interact well with their consent management tool. But when we see clarity.js, we say, well, I didn't deploy that. I, we haven't ch touched our TMS in months. I don't know why anything would have broken. Well, that's because that snuck in there without us knowing. Um, so that type of thing, again, the more tags you have, the more likely things might sneak through and it's harder to keep track of all of those things. Uh, some tags are inherently a little bit more risky. Things like um, double click for publishers, now known as Google Ad Manager, for years had a known cross-site scripting vulnerability. Like it had a, a Surgeon General black box warning on it saying like, we know that this is a possibility, so just be careful. Um, and even now as Google Ad Manager, uh, it can act as a tag container. So agencies can deploy code to your site through Google Ad Manager without going through you, uh, which can be problematic. But even if none of those shenanigans are going on, merely having a complex or unhealthy implementation is still a big risk. Um, you know, I've seen a tag take down analytics tracking where you know, three or four days in, we're like, oh, we don't have any analytics data. I wonder what happened. Oh, it's because we caused a JavaScript error in our TMS. Um, we didn't notice. And I've seen a tag literally turn a client's checkout flow into a blank white screen, which is what happens if you try to deploy a uh, iframe using document.write, which a lot of us learned the hard way when tag management systems were new. So anything that allows you to add to or edit or alter the, the code on your site has potential for a lot of harm. We have to be very careful. Uh, in addition, there's the uh, cons consumer trust and consent management and privacy regulation side of things. You know, a lot of attention is being paid these days to third-party tracking and cookies. Frankly, I think there's a lot of fear-mongering going on. Um, and more and more tools are trying to expose and bring transparency. And transparency is not a bad thing, but it's often not very nuanced and doesn't have a lot of information attached to it. So for instance, if somebody is using Safari on their desktop, which apparently some people do, um, you can click on this little shield and it will tell you all of the different trackers that uh, big bad evil trackers that Safari and Apple is saving you from. Um, and it doesn't tell you that, oh, this one's actually an optimization tool that's all first party and just helps present you the best user experience. And this is a user experience tool that helps know when pages are broken. But this one over here, this is the retargeting pixel that's going to chase you around the internet and scare you with creepy personalized ads. It doesn't say any of that. It just says we're saving you from big bad trackers. And that can be very intimidating to users. Um, there's also just the fact that privacy regulations are constantly evolving and the way that they are interpreted and enforced is, is evolving. So um, if you have tracking in 
the EU and you have users in France or Austria or Italy or perhaps soon to be Holland, and one of those countries announces that they don't think GA is compliant with uh, Google Analytics is compliant with GDPR, and your lawyers come to you and ask, is this a problem? Are we deploying this? A lot of companies, it'd be very hard for them to quickly say, yes, we are compliant or no, but these are all of the things we know we've deployed. We've got AdWords here and Google Analytics over here and GTM over here. And you know, let's quickly clean it up and become compliant. That becomes really hard with an unhealthy ecosystem. The main thing though that people think of when they think of a uh, third-party tag mess is the effect it has on site speed. Um, probably don't need to tell everyone that site speed is very important. Uh, there are so many studies I had a hard time picking and choosing, but lots of things like for each one second of page load time, your conversion rate drops 7%. Or one study found that 40% of customers won't wait longer than 30 seconds for a page to load before giving up on it. Um, it's hard because everybody, uh, we want to track things on our site and that often helps us improve the site and improve the user experience. So it's really a shame if the things that we use to track our success are actually bringing our success down. Um, PageSpeed also affects your, your SEO ranking. So if Google sees that your site is slow, that automatically might bump you down. And it also indirectly is affected because if users have bad user experience, there's more bounces, they reduce time on the site, that also brings your SEO down. And the problem is, is that all of, this is, all of us just kind of take this for granted. It's ubiquitous. Everybody has a lot of MarTech pixels. It is what it is. We just have to go forward with it. You know, the SEO team or your tech department might reach out every now and then and say, we're working on improving our site speed and your tech management library is really slowing things down. What can we do? And maybe there'll be some cleanup, but often there's a bit of back and forth. And ultimately we say, you know, leadership says we're spending a lot of money on these tools. It's very important that we know, you know, if we're getting our investment out of them. So the tags stay, you know, do what you do. What you do. And that may or may not be true. Maybe the tags are all necessary and they are all providing value. But that doesn't mean we have to accept their impact without trying to minimize it in whatever ways we can. And it really does have an impact. Uh, I did an analysis. I looked at five uh, different top brands from the Fortune 500, and looked at uh, their home pages to see what kind of impact their MarTech ecosystem was having on their site. Uh, this includes everything from you know remarketing pixels and conversion pixels to consent management, analytics, optimization, you know the whole package. Um, the, one tel the telecom site that I looked at, literally 50% of its site weight was just MarTech. Uh, and yes, we can make it asynchronous and hopefully not affect the user experience horribly, but there is no way to have that much weight not affect the user experience at least a little bit. And tag management systems alone can add a lot of weight. The energy site that I looked at, you know, 15% of their site weight was just Google Tag Manager. Um, that's a lot. And we often just don't even think about the fact it could have that kind of impact. On top of that, the more tags that you have, the more vendors you're working with, the more domains will lo be loading content on your site as any of your pages load. So that media site I looked at had 195 different domains loading some bit of something uh, as the page loaded. And that not only has an impact to page speed performance, that's also a whole lot of different people getting access to your user's data. Um, 
and a whole lot of servers that you better hope like each of those domains and their servers are reactive quickly and, and all of that. So all of this adds up and we can see that media site with the 195 domains and the 40% of their weight uh, from MarTech. On a mobile site, it took 13 seconds to load that page fully. Um, so it does matter um, and we shouldn't just accept that you know it is what it is, we're gonna have tracking and it's gonna have impact. If you wanna see how your MarTech ecosystem impacts your own website, I do have this kind of a blunt instrument tool, but at a high level, it's a really good quick way of seeing. Um, there's a feature within Chrome, within the developer console that you can use. If you go into the network tab and try to find your tag management library and try to find the first file loaded from your tag management. Uh, if you're on GTM, you can just filter by GTM. For launch, you can filter by Adobe DT, uh, adobedtm.com. Um, I believe Telium, you can look for UTag. So you find the first file that matches one of those filters, you right click on it and you say block request URL. And this is basically an on and off switch for your whole TMS. And you can see before I uh, block the URL, so this is what all of my users experience. Um, I can look at the load time, the number of resources, and then the, the ones on the right here, the DOM content loaded and the load time, those are the most important. Those are the ones that impact the user experience most. So we're looking at 3.3 seconds to load. Um, if I then block my TMS, I can see that without launch, uh, in this particular example, without launch on my site, that load time got down to almost half a millisecond. Um, now you do want to make sure you're comparing apples to apples. So in this case, I have disabled cache and I have all sorts of details about how to do this well um, on my blog. But this is a really quick, easy way to get a, a sense of how much impact TMS might be having on your site. Um, there are lots of other tools out there that you can use. Uh, many tools aimed at helping developers optimize their sites for site speed. My own favorite is webpagetest.org. I'm going to use it quite a bit throughout this presentation. Um, one reason I really like it is it has this breakdown by domain. And you can pretty quickly see that you know anything that's not your domain, usually it's going to be one of these third-party MarTech vendors. Uh, I ran this on marketinganalyticsummit.com, so use them as an example. And you can pretty quickly see. So you know, obviously, that first line, marketinganalyticsummit.com, that's, that's done. That's probably all code that is required to keep that site afloat. But a lot of these clearly aren't. Now, it can be hard, though, to look at these domains and know what they are all tied to. You know, LinkedIn.com, that's probably a LinkedIn tag. But so is LICDN.com. Um, pretty much all of the vendors out there have a few different domains, and a lot of them aren't obvious. So for those, over the years, I've been collecting a list and making a mapping. I think I'm up to maybe 230 vendors now, or domains covered. Um, we are crowdsourcing this and making this public now. So I have a link on my blog that you can use and download this, uh, just use it as a resource. You know, at the actual Marketing Summit presentation, I, I mentioned there's, there's probably just two or three people in the audience who see this like, oh my gosh, I can use, everybody else is gonna be really bored, but two or three people are gonna see this and be really excited because um, it can be really hard to get information on where tags are coming from and who they belong to. And then we take that a step further and there's a, a free Excel template that you can download from my blog that um, shows you how to easily extract that information from webpagetest.org and very easy copy and paste, couple button clicks, and you have this kind of analysis of uh, 
what percent of the total weight of your site is a known MarTech vendor weight, um, and what number of domains are being loaded, all of that stuff. So I uh, highly recommend that. That's a free tool that's out there for anyone to use now. And that's how I got the information for my slide earlier with the five different sites. Again, I, I ran it on marketinganalyticsummit.com and can tell you that 26% of that site is all MarTech. Now, it's a very light site to begin with, so 26% of not a lot is even less. Um, but it's still kind of eye-opening to see just how much is going on behind the scenes, even for simpler, lighter sites. MarTech is ever-present. All right, so we've established it has an impact and we should care. Uh, what can we be doing to prevent uh, it from becoming any worse than, than it is or uh, to, to clean it up? Um, my first best practice tip is only have one tag management system. Um, I know frequently agencies and vendors might ask you to add another one, particularly if you're on launch, frequently an agency will ask you to add GTM as well, whether it's because they are unfamiliar with launch and scared of it, or they just want control and, and to be able to do their own thing. Uh, the problem with this, there's a couple things. One is even an empty tag management library carries a lot of weight. Um, a completely empty GTM library has, I think, 38 kilobytes, uh, oh, no, 32 kilobytes of weight. And that's, that's not nothing. If you add a single Google AdWords conversion tag using the um, tag template in, in GTM, that adds another 20 kilobytes. So as you add pixels and tags to that, that can your tag management library could quickly become the heaviest asset on your site. But it's also important in terms of governance. It can be really hard to have a healthy ecosystem if you're spread between two places. You know, thinking back to the example I gave earlier with the Bing.js or the Bing pixel and the Clarity.js file, that when we established that Clarity.js was a file causing JavaScript errors, if we're spread between multiple systems and multiple people uh, pushing out tags, I might say, well, I, I didn't deploy any Clarity.js. Maybe they did. Uh, when in fact, it was the Bing tag that I deployed and maybe they had Bing as well. And now we have to figure out all of the different places that Bing might be in place so that we can clean up and stop that error from happening. That becomes really hard. And especially with governance and um, data regulations and privacy regulations becoming more and more a thing, it's all the more important to have all of your tags in one place where you can speak to what you're tracking and what you're not tracking. Another best practice, this is going to be talked about more and more, this is the way of the future, server-side tag management. Uh, a very brief primer for folks who don't fully understand it yet. Uh, Client-side tag management is how we currently do it. So the client being the user's browser, everything happens within the user's browser. Um, as the page loads, we have a JavaScript library with our TMS that pulls information out of the HTML and the JavaScript and sends that along to third parties, usually in the form of uh, loading tiny little invisible images or iframes or scripts. Um, so that's how things have functioned for a very long time. The server-side model still has that client-side component. You still have to collect the information within the user's browser to see what it is that they're doing. So we still have the client-side gathering information through the HTML and JavaScript, but now instead of using tiny invisible images and iframes and scripts to send it along. We just send that as one giant batch to our server. Um, so say Adobe as an example. And then through the server-side TMS, we can say this bit of data goes along to AdWords, that bit of data goes along to Facebook, and send it to those third parties through their APIs. 
Now, it is great and it absolutely will have a positive impact on PageSpeed performance, but there are a lot of uh, things we need to be realistic about of what server-side tech management can solve and not solve. Uh, first of all, not all vendors have server-side options yet. Um, for instance, in my little demo here, Bing does not yet have an API that we can send data to server to server. So that we still just need to load the Bing scripts that we've been loading. Um, and those that do have server-side options, most of them are fairly brand new. They may not have great documentation. There may not be a lot of uh, expertise out there to be had. Some tags will always need a client-side component. Uh, anything that alters the user experience like optimization or voice of customer, um, anything that you know makes the screen look different or requires the user's interaction is going to have to be present then within the user's client browser. So we'll stay client side. But to me, the big thing that's often overlooked is I guess the potential to get sloppy <laughs> that if we don't have IT yelling at us about uh, page speed and JavaScript errors, and we don't have users able to see all of the different, you know, dozens of third parties we're sharing their data with, it might be easy to just get a little bit, little bit um, care, careless about it. And I want to make sure that we're very careful about that because it still really matters how we handle our users' data, especially with GDPR and things like CCPA. They do not care if you're using JavaScript and cookies to track your user or if you're using a server and some other anonymous identifier. In fact, GDPR mentions cookies, I think twice or three times in all 83 pages. They just care that you have a anonymous unique identifier for your user. That is that user's personal data and it needs to be handled as such. So don't let server-side tag management <laughs> um, be sold to you as a solution to say uh, governance issues or identifying users and cookie issues, we still have a lot, a long way to go um, in figuring out how to correctly identify users and respect their privacy. Right. A best practice question that we get a lot is, should I be using my TMS's extensions or tag templates or plugins or whatever your TMS calls it, or should I just be copying and pasting in my pixels as custom code? And I'm gonna give a true consultant answer, which is, it depends. Um, extensions can be heavier, like they, they carry inherent weight. You know, I mentioned earlier that a single AdWords pixel added 20 kilobytes to my GTM file. That's not because that pixel is that heavy. It's because the extension has to have a lot of logic for all the different ways we might possibly want to use it. So it can introduce a lot of weight, but you can also use those extensions to minimize a lot of repeated code and things like that. So it can be Worse than a well-done code implementation, but much better than a, a poorly done code Im implementation. Um, extensions do restrict your flexibility. So if you have use cases like, you know, everywhere in the world we fire this Facebook tag, but in certain jurisdictions we can't track these three variables. So uh, we don't want to fire those three alongside our tag. That stuff's really hard to do with an extension, but relatively easy to do with JavaScript. Uh, however, extensions are less likely to cause JavaScript errors. They're more likely to be kept up to date, so play best with modern browsers and stuff. Um, so really, there's a lot of, of uh, handoffs between the two. The biggest thing I want folks to think about is just don't let the thought that code is bad 
be your deciding factor, uh, especially when TMSs were new. There was a lot of hype around, oh, we'll never have to touch code again. And I think a lot of folks even pushed the idea that the best way to use a TMS is to never have custom code in it. And that may be true for some folks, but you know, in most cases, when you get marketing tags from a vendor, from an agency, they send it in the form of code. So at bare minimum, somebody's going to have to look at that and figure out how to interpret that and translate it into what the extension or tag template wants to know. So that introduces possibly some points of failure that a mere copy and paste would not. Uh, so if you have a resource that's relatively comfortable and competent with some of that code, don't be afraid of using it. It might be a net better for your site. It's just nuanced. Another best practice is to keep tags as low on your site as possible. Uh, vendors and agencies documentation might often tell you that tags should be at the top of the page and that's because they want every possible conversion to be seen, even if that might negatively impact your user's experience. That's not their priority. So, um, and to be honest, frequently, if you don't put it at the top of the page, I don't know that I've ever really had any vendors or agencies call me out on it. Um, so it's really your decision and you have to decide a, a balance of if you put the tag as high on the page as possible, then it will impact user experience. You know, there are things you can do to reduce that, keep it asynchronous and all of that, but it still has an impact. Um, but you have more reliable data because that tag has a chance to fire very quickly. Whereas if the tag's lower on the site, then doesn't impact the user experience as much. The whole page can load before that tag fires, but that also means the user might navigate away before that tag has a chance to fire and you might have slightly less thorough, accurate data. In most cases, if it is just a tracking pixel, like a remarketing or conversion tag, keep it at the bottom of the page. It's not worth the handoff with the user experience. There are some tags though, like optimization tools, again, anything that changes the user experience as the page is loading, those you wanna keep higher. This one's kind of a given, um, but oh so important to, if you do use code to, to deploy tags and you have some of those, you need flexible use cases and things like that, use comments. Um, it makes life so much easier, even if you only have one person in your TMS. And I frequently am the only person in a TMS. And I might open up this tag and say, Jen of six months ago was an idiot and made this way more complicated than it needed to be. I'm just gonna clean this up here and there. Except Jen of six months ago commented and I can see, oh, she was actually very wise because she knew that this particular vendor wanted this particular variable in a very specific format or Oh yeah, I remember now we had noticed a data layer timing issue and that's why we had to pull this variable a different way in this use case. Like this type of stuff, first of all, you want to avoid it as much as possible because it is hard to, to maintain and scale. But let's be realistic, this stuff happens, it exists. And when it does, if you comment it, then it makes it so that you're less likely to have JavaScript errors. It makes it much easier to go in and make updates because I don't have to backwards engineer everything that's in there and figure out how it all works. Um, and really, it just makes implementers' lives so much easier. Uh, another thing that you can do is update any old tags. A uh, really good example of this is the old method of deploying double-click uh, and, and floodlight tags through iframes and, and images. Uh, GTag does this, and it's been around since 2017. It's not new. I'm surprised that I still do get requests to deploy iframe uh, you know, floodlight tags and stuff. Um, 
not only is GTAG newer and it plays better with modern browsers and it knows how to deal with consent management and all of that type of stuff, um, it's also so much easier to maintain and scale, particularly if you have a lot of different accounts or events or you have both DoubleClick and AdWords and analytics and, and all of that stuff, GTAG can greatly simplify the logic you have to use and make things a lot more scalable. Um, I have a more specific walkthrough for specifically DoubleClick iframes and things like that on my blog if you want advice on how to translate that into more modern tags. Uh, and then finally, if you do have multiple uh, accounts feeding into the same vendor, um, which is fairly common with AdWords and DoubleClick. Uh, there's almost always something you can do to deduplicate logic and keep things lighter and cleaner. Um, the biggest culprit that I see causing problems is GTAG, as folks will copy and paste that whole block of code that they get from their agency or vendor and uh, don't realize that the uh, GTAG JS file there in, in pink um, is not account specific. You only need it once. So every time that you copy it, you are needlessly adding 40 kilobytes of weight to your site. I've seen folks shave like 200 kilobytes off just by getting rid of duplicated G tags. Um, on top of that, if you have uh, you know, an event where you need to send it to multiple places, G tag actually has a way to do that with a single event. You just put multiple items in the send to. Um, so that can help keep things cleaner and more straightforward, help you see where you have things in common and where efficiencies are, are there to be gained. All right, so that was a lot of advice on things that we could and should be doing. It can be really hard to figure out where you currently are so you can plan on how to get there. And I really wish I had a tool you could download from my site or a magic wand or a JavaScript snippet or something to make this simple. But unfortunately, ultimately it does take some time and it takes some detective work. If we have that darn tag from 2018 that nobody knows who's using it, um, either somebody's just going to make an executive decision to delete it, or we need to figure out, is it still in use? Is it still working? Um, follow leads and find clues uh, to help track down all of that information. There are some things you can do to make that a little bit easier. Uh, I highly recommend everybody have a tag inventory. Um, this is an example in a spreadsheet where I keep track of um, every account that I deploy. So a column for vendor and a, a column for account number and then date that it was requested or last update. Really what we're getting at here is when's the last time we confirm someone's using this thing and that it works. Uh, and then contact information, information about who owns it. And then finally, a way to keep track of do we have we already established that this tag is safe and we can keep it for at least another year or does it need to be deleted the next time we make a round of deletions? Or does it need more investigation? Um, I will say that that account number is a really important, useful tool in doing this auditing work. Because if I search my email box for AdWords, that's going to pull a whole lot of things. But if I search for my account number of aw 9876543211, then that'll bring me to correspondence directly about that tag. And that's also true of looking for things in, say, the network tab in the JavaScript console that um, I may not know that I need to search for LICDN to get to my LinkedIn tag, but I know my LinkedIn account ID. And if I put that in there, then that usually shows me a lot of the stuff that has to do with that particular um, tag. So I know that this is daunting, particularly if you're on a site that already has a lot of tags on it. My advice is 
have a blank file just as a starting place. If you merely have a file like this in existence, then the next time a tag comes along, you have a place to start keeping this information. And the next time you update a tag, you can fill a little bit in. And if you only have three or four lines filled out of your 100 pixels, it's better than nothing and it's a starting place. And it's so much better to have a way forward with that starting place. All right, so as far as finding the tags on your site, I already showed some tools that you can use. Um, ObservePoint also has a lot of great ways of doing this. There's a free Chrome extension that lets you see for any given page within your browser uh, what MarTech is loading. Um, and it, ObservePoint knows that LICDN.com belongs to LinkedIn, and it can even give you information about account numbers and things like that. So it's a really easy way of seeing what's already in place. Um, However, it is fairly manual that you as the, the user have to be on the page that you want information about. So at bare minimum, minimum, I recommend spot checking your home page and then any key conversion pages like a purchase confirmation, because most likely all of the tags that you have are going to be represented in one of those two places. Uh, if you do want a more comprehensive look, then ObservePoint has the, uh, a paid app tool that you can use to crawl your site and get a view of not only all of your analytics, but also all of your, your MarTech tags. Now you do have to train ObservePoint uh, how to get past things that require human interaction, like entering a credit card, which can be an upfront time investment, but it can be so worth it because once you do that once, you have a really easy way of keeping track of what's on your site and seeing when things break. Um, and my favorite thing within there for this type of auditing is they have a tag dependency tool that I don't know if an, a lot of folks know about and use, but um, you know, it can show you that that clarity.js file is loaded by bing.js, which is loaded by Google Ad Manager, which is loaded by GTM, which is loaded by Launch. And I, I actually have seen tag inceptions go that deep. <laughs> um, so ObservePoint can help you spot where tags are bringing in other tags, which might bring in other tags and so forth. Um, there are some tools out there that are specific to your tag management system. So um, like I said, I, I use Launch and GTM, and those are the two that I know of that have the best kind of auditing tools. Launch has Tactician, by a tool by Jim Gordon uh, that is my best friend. Um, not Jim Gordon, though. He's a good dude. But Tactician, I use like every other day, practically, uh, especially for this type of auditing work, because it can pull your entire library down and show you action by action, every single rule, every single data element, and make it really easy to start going through and, and auditing and, and uh, inventorying what you have. Uh, Urs Bowler also has a really helpful tool out there, the Launch Library Parser, that uh, you can use to see the the relationships between all of your components. So, you know, which data elements being used where. You can also spot JavaScript errors and areas you can optimize, as well as uh, it has a nice interface for searching and, and finding stuff um, within your launch library. For GTM, Simo Ahava has a really great tool. Uh, of course, he does. Simo Ahava um, has gtmtools.com, which uh, is a friendly interface to, again, see relationships between all of the components, your containers, your workspaces, your tags, your triggers, and your variables. Um, now it doesn't go, I, I don't believe, it goes to the detail of being able to see the actual contents of each tag. If you want to do that, then there is a way. Uh, if you go within the admin section of GTM, you can export the container as a JSON file, which will look like a bunch of gobbledygook that you have to be able to read the matrix to, to read. But 
you can copy and paste that into a tool like json to table.com and that'll turn it into a spreadsheet that's much more manageable and show you all of the tags that you have in place. Um, links and tips on how to use those tools are up on my blog. All right, so let's say we've, we've audited, we know what we have in place, how do we start cleaning up? Burn it all to the ground. <laughs> this is my preferred option, is the nuclear option, especially with older implementations. Uh, it's often so much easier to start fresh than it is to backwards engineer. Um, this is an option that daunts a lot of people and it sounds like a lot of work, but I'll be honest, sometimes doing this is less work than it is to maintain and figure out a really old technical debt ridden TMS setup. Uh, so if, if you do have the ability to go this route, I do recommend at least giving people a warning. Um, send out an email to everyone who might possibly have a vested interest in MarTech tracking and let them know that you're doing this cleanup and that if they have any tags that they are still using and interested in, to please let you know the account numbers for those tags so that you can make sure that they stay in place and keep working. Um, give them a deadline, give them a month or six weeks. And at the end of that time, any tag that's unclaimed, uh, go ahead and disable. Don't delete it altogether for, for now, just disable it, leave it off for six weeks. And if in those six weeks, nobody said, hey, my data broke, what happened? Um, then you can go ahead and delete it. Now, if you manage to go six weeks and they haven't noticed, that their data stopped working and then they complain, well, they don't deserve the added complexity to your TMS and the added weight to your site that their tag was adding if they're not getting value out of the tag enough to even notice it missing after six weeks. But I'll be honest, I it's very rare for me to turn off a tag in this method and have somebody come to me and say, oh, we were actually using that. It is disturbing almost how much you can turn off these tags and no one ever notices and it never changes anything because no one's used them in years. But if that seems a little extreme, then uh, you can't just take, bite off only what you can chew. Take it a rule at a time. I tend to go a vendor at a time to like fix up all my Facebook tags at once. Uh, you can use this as an opportunity to start filling out that tag inventory that we talked about earlier um, or also use a new naming convention or any other standards you want to apply. A new naming convention makes it very easy to see which tags have been cleaned up and which ones have not. Um, so, uh, and I have a lot of tips and, and strong feelings about naming conventions. So I will at least mention here that if you are in launch, then um, don't only think about naming conventions for your rule names, which a lot of folks do, but also think about them for your action names because those are what show up in internal search. Um, launches internal search functionality is not the best. And if I search for Bing, then it might just show me a bunch of lists of components that are just called custom code. And I have no idea what, where they're firing and I have no, one, no idea which one I wanna click into. So if you use helpful names for both the rule name and the action name, then your future self will be very grateful when you try to search and audit within launch. Uh, but lots of information, particularly for GTM and launch, uh, uh, tips and tricks for naming are up on the blog. But let's say that even that you're overwhelmed, you don't have time to even do that. At bare minimum, you can just say from this day forward, all of our tags will follow this naming convention and will uh, be documented in our tag inventory. And if you just do that much, then a year from now, 18 months from now, then you'll be able to uh, look back and see which tags 
you have documented and that you know are still in use and which ones are, uh, I mean, a year, a year and a half older than they are now and therefore possibly able to be deleted. Um, just start somewhere and it doesn't have to be perfect and it's okay if your naming standard changes over time too. Just start with something so that you have something to iterate on and uh, you know, a year or two from now, you'll be very grateful for it. All right, other things that you can do, regardless of what you do with your current MarTech setup, some things that you can do going forward. Uh, one is to include metadata. So not only have a good standard naming convention, um, but include information maybe in JavaScript comments, or I know both Launch and GTM have a place you can put notes. I tend to not use those because folks tend to not look at them and they don't show up in audit logs and things like that. Um, so I use JavaScript comments and it can just be a simple one line that says, this was deployed for so-and-so on this date by me. Um, and I can't tell you how often I've been grateful for my own little notes when I open it up and say, oh, okay, I have context around this tag now. I know it's still in use. I know who to contact if there are questions. Um, this makes it really, right there in your face uh, for any tags deployed by code to see kind of what's going on and, and keep track. So that's a very bare minimum thing that you can do. You can also start filling in that information for tags as you come across them. So if it's a new tag and I'm, you know, just opened it today and somebody asked if it's still working, then I can still say, hey, so-and-so asked about this tag on June 19th and therefore is still using it. That bit of information uh, alone can be very helpful. Uh, we also highly recommend to a lot of our clients to have a formal request intake process. So this can be a spreadsheet, Google form, a JIRA template, something that forces anyone who comes to you saying, I have a new tag I want you to deploy. You can ask them a series of questions to um, A, make it a lot easier and streamline the implementation. You know, I have email threads that go 20 emails deep of me going back and forth with an agency saying, all right, what's the account number for this? Okay, do you want it deployed globally or just the US? Do you know if it's already in use? Can we remove a previous tag or is there a removal date that we can use for this? That type of stuff, if you have it all in one place, this, this makes implementation much more efficient. Uh, it also gives you a chance to set appropriate expectations with whoever's asking for the tag. So um, you can say, you know, give us the date that you want this tag live by. Just know that we have a, a sprint cycle. So give us at least two weeks plus a little bit of validation time. You can kind of set forth the process that you'd like them to follow uh, so that they have the right expectations. And finally, it gives you a way to feed into that audit, uh, that tag inventory and just start building the documentation that you have for your tags. Uh, we do have a template for this up on my blog. Um, but a lot of folks, like I said, you can use Jira templates and, and all of that. It's just the idea of a series of questions to help get all of those easy, low-hanging fruit things out of the way with a tag uh, can be very helpful. Uh, one thing I've seen some folks do uh, is have what we call a pixel menu, <laughs> um, which uh, in this case, it's every single column shows the uh, a user action that we're willing to add tracking to for MarTech. And then each row is a different dimension or a bit of data that's available on that user action. So I can tell you on cart view that we can give you product ID and user ID, uh, but payment method doesn't exist yet. Um, if nothing else, this can be a really good internal tool for anyone within the tech management system or the analysts or the folks who talk to the agencies and vendors. Um, I will warn you, if you actually expose it and show it to agencies, they might just look at it and say, yes, 
I'd like all of that, please. Uh, which brings us to the next point of think about how restrictive you want to be and how much you want to push back. You don't just have to roll over and deploy any tag you are asked to deploy. Um, you might consider, do we only deploy vetted tags? I know we, we know AdWords, we know Facebook, we know we LinkedIn, we've deployed them before, we have infrastructure for that. But uh, mouse flow, that's not something we've done before. We need to run it through security. Uh, that'll take us a little bit more time. Knowing which tags are safe and not safe and uh, being able to work within that framework can be great. Um, do you only deploy on certain user actions? You know, I, I had an agency recently ask me to deploy a tag both on the click of a search button and also on the loading of the search results page. We had never added tags to the click of the search results button. So that's a new trigger I'd have to set up and a little bit of extra work. Um, so, you know, I push back on them and say, you know, here's the pro tip. If you say, these three things are things that we already have infrastructure for and can turn around really quickly on, but these other things uh, we might be able to do, but it'll slow us down. So uh, if you want to let us know, do you prefer us just deploying the quick stuff, just to get something out there? Or um, are these other things really important to you? And nine times out of 10, they'll say, oh, those were actually nice to have. Um, really, we just want these three pixels. So feel free to push back, see if they have business cases for all of the different tags that they want. Um, make them justify it, adding new uh, potential complexity and um, weight to your site. Uh, and make sure you ask, is this something that could already be covered by existing tools, such as analytics? Um, that alone might get you out of a lot of new tags. Another thing that you can do is make sure you have a follow-up cadence. So anytime I hit publish on a new tag in the tag management system, I go in and I create a calendar invite for one year out. So in this case, you can even create a calendar uh, or an account for your TMS and put on its calendar that, you know, Monday, May 15th, we need to check with, I think the contact I have in there is Mike Wazowski uh, to see if he is still using AdWords account one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, this helps you make sure you never go more than a year without confirming that a tag is still working and still in use. Uh, this does mean upfront, it's great if you can establish that expectation with folks that, hey, in a year, we'll, we'll reach out and make sure that this, this tag's still doing uh, what you need it to do. Um, if you have a developer with a lot of time on their hands, you can even set up processes to automate cleaning up your tags and stuff. So if you have a great naming structure that includes things like removal date, then uh, at least within launch, you could use the API to go through and clean up every tag that's after a certain removal date, that type of thing. Um, pro tip, there are lots of agencies that love doing that type of stuff. So that was a lot of information. Uh, like I said, it is all up on the blog. Um, but the three biggest things I'd want folks to take away is one, have a tag inventory. And it's okay if it's mostly blank, just have a start. Uh, do have a standard convention for naming and for including key metadata about like who requested the tag and when it was put in place, um, include that in the tag itself. And finally, have some formal processes around how you deploy tags, like a tagging request intake form um, to help uh, make sure you're doing things efficiently, but also start building up your documentation. All right, that was it. Hopefully that was helpful for folks. That was so a great, yep, I'm here. And, and that, that was a great presentation. Um, you know, there's lots of, um, great bits of information um and 
there's it's something we run into to a lot. So as we wrap up, if you don't mind, I, I actually yeah, wrote yeah. down a few questions uh, I'd love to, mm -hmm. to ask. Um, so, you know, earlier you were going through some of the, the, the marketing, uh, MarTech libraries and marketing tags and the sizes of them and whatnot. Mm -hmm. If you were to say, like, what one do you think is like the most notorious out there, whether it's from a size perspective or just other things that it might be firing without your knowledge like what's the one that's most notorious for becoming problematic if you don't keep an eye on it i i think it is the ones that allow that piggybacking and like google ad manager where agencies can add tags in um or if folks ask you to add gtm and you already have launched like that type of stuff is really where i see a lot of the problems happen um trying to think if there are any other uh Awin was <laughs> a very complicated tag, yes. or at least the way that, that uh, my particular client used it. Um, there are certainly some that when I hear we're deploying it, I kind of shudder inside a little bit. Um, but most of the more common ones, once you've deployed them a few times and you have kind of a system and you understand how they work, um, they, they don't have to be bad unless you, you've let them be. Um. So when, when you're engaging with clients and you give them this kind of feedback that this is something you have to actively manage, marketing tags, no matter what anybody tells you or not set it and forget it, and they come back to you and say, well, we barely have enough time to get these out. We don't have the time to manage them. What do you want to tell them? <laughs> what is like that? What, they, what is something you want to really share with them? You don't have time to do it right now, but you also don't have... You don't have time to not do it right now. Like it's going to bite you either way. So it's really a matter of um, being forward thinking um, and uh, maybe doing a bit of upfront investment of time to reduce effort down the road by quite a bit. Um, but even that can be hard to hear because I get it. Like people don't always have control over their priorities and their schedules and their resources. So at that point, that's why repeatedly over my presentation, I say, just do what you can. Start now. It doesn't matter if you have three years and hundreds of tags currently on your site. The next time you have a tag request, document it. Just start with something because that does help over time. And there will be some point in the future where you will thank yourself or your successor will thank you. Um, there's no reason to wait until you have all the resources to do it you know, 100%. Mm -hmm. Great. Great. Um, and so when you started getting into like your recommendations around remedies and, and what clients can do or what organizations can do, when you brought up the burn it to the ground option, you couldn't see me. I was backstage, but I was like, you know, like oh, yeah, every consultant was, out there is going to be like, yeah, that, do that. exactly. Uh, <laughs> because I mean, you, you hit so many right points about like why a lot of times it's the best option. What are some of the common fears that that you hear from from organizations when you say just just start fresh, rip it out and start fresh? Um, well, it's just that starting fresh, it does take effort and it takes a commitment, like a, a knowledgeable, we know this is going to take effort. Whereas maybe leaving it there, we can pretend a little bit that it's not going to be a huge amount of effort to maintain this sinking ship. Um, I think, yeah, often it's just a resources problem um, that, you know, we have barely enough to add a new tag to a site once a week. We don't have 
budget or resources to go in and rebuild it from the ground up. The thing is, even for all of the MarTech tags aside, and if we're just talking analytics, even then, a lot of the time, I'd say if your implementation is over two years old, odds are you probably should be starting fresh. A lot of those variables aren't going to be in use. Um, you are putting effort into something that is not providing value. Uh, so it is a hard sell. Um, and especially coming from an agency, it can seem like you know we're upselling because if we make this recommendation, then you rely on us even more. I promise that is far from my mind, though I do love setting up fresh new implementations um, just because we, we have an opportunity to make sure things are done right from the start. So if nothing else, plan for it longer term. Like, you know, there are small things you can do now and then say, uh, we have a new replatforming coming up in nine months. Let's plan to use that as a fresh start. Or you know, at least in the, at this moment, our Q2 isn't spoken for. So let's sketch in that we're going to be doing some of this massive cleanup because um, it, it's the op perfect opportunity is never going to present itself. Yeah. Great, great. Um, so as we wrap up, um, again, I really appreciate you know, taking the time today to to to, to run through this presentation again. And um, again, like a lot of great tidbits. Uh, do you have any f other final, final thoughts? No, I really can't emphasize enough. Like go check out the blog. I somehow turned this presentation into like 11 blog posts <laughs> um, where it's all very thoroughly documented and stuff. Um, and feel free to reach out with questions. I'm a very accessible person. I'm LinkedIn and Twitter and measure Slack. Um, but I'd love to get feedback and any, any things that other people have found that works well for them. I'd love to hear. Great, great. And actually you just answered my final question. I was just going to say, can you remind us, you know, where, where everybody can find you? Yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere. Twitter is a good place to start. So I have my, um, Twitter handle there in the lower left of Jen underscore Coons. Um, but measure Slack is if you're not on it, get on it. Uh, it's a great place to ask questions and I spend altogether too much of my time. Uh, willingly distracted from my day job and answering questions on there. Uh, so uh, it's a good community. Great, great. Well, thanks again. And um, we'll you. go ahead and wrap up there. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.